welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Today we have a world traveler. She grew up in Germany. She's traveled all over the world. She's a screenwriter. She's an author. She's got a great book out that we're going to be talking about. And uh, her her name is uh, Olivia. Um, and it's uh, her, her whole name, <laughs> name is, uh-oh. Um, hold on. <laughs> I'm on the wrong page of your website. That's, that's, that's the problem. Um, uh, Olivia Berry. And she is a wonderful writer of, of note, and we're going to talk about her books and her screenwriting and her travels. But first, I have to say hello to my friend Eric. How are you, Eric? Hey, good afternoon, Kevin and Olivia. Wonderful to have you join us on the air, as you do every Wednesday at this time. I do. It's, it's pretty amazing. You guys keep inviting me back. It's like a bad penny. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's great to be here. And, and by the way, I hope I um, didn't have a chance to talk to you. Did you have a great Christmas? I did. Yeah, it was, it was very mellow and uh, very nice. How about yourself? I had a very mellow Christmas. Uh, you know, then my Seahawks lost and that, that kind of capped the whole weekend. So just one of those things. And uh, now, you, you got plans for New Year's Eve? Are you going out partying? Uh, probably not partying per se, but uh, hopefully get some dinner somewhere and watch those uh, fireworks go off at the needle. And I, I think that'll be a good good enough time. <laughs> now, have you heard they've also are going to do a laser show there as well? Have you heard that? You know, I, I haven't actually looked into it too much. Uh, but uh, I'll I'll look into that. That sounds cool, and hopefully it won't be too windy like it was a few years back, and then they couldn't do the fireworks. So I know. Well, what's the yeah. weather supposed to be on the weekend? Are you are you, are you focused that far? Yeah, so far it's it's looking fairly warm and uh, a bit wet. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, that's what it does here. So. Absolutely. But that's what we get. So anyway, uh, you know, uh, um, I've got to I've got to tell you, um, um, Eric, that Olivia has uh, lived in more places than, than she's, let's see, she was in Germany, and then she um, um, went to London, Florence, Milan, Brussels, Los Angeles, and New York City. And she's actually lived in, mo- in those places for more than a year. So she's been out and about doing that. And before she wrote books, she is uh, was a screenwriter for TV and for movies. And with that, uh, Olivia, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here. And uh, we're going to talk about all of the things that you've done. But you were born in Germany. And uh, did you grow up there and then start your travels? Um, I actually, yes, I was born in a little town close to Frankfurt. I... um, lived in Germany about nine years and I then went to boarding school in Switzerland and after that I lived in what what you said already in London in Italy I lived a long time in Italy in Florence Milan I lived one year in Brussels and um, yeah I lived in Los Angeles and um, New York City yeah now I don't know that I've ever met anybody that actually went to, I've met people that were in uh, foster homes, but I've never met anybody that actually went to a boarding school. Was it an all girls boarding school? 
it was an all girls boarding school in a little little town close to St. Moritz. And how long were you there? Um, I was there um, six years, almost six years. Yes. So, what's it like being in an all girls boarding school? Did you ever have any uh, uh, guys sneak in? Uh, <laughs> all right. When I was nine, not. <laughs> no, no. But when you when you were close to a teenager. Um, Yes, you know, you know, it was very close to a boys boarding school. So we had a lot of events that would combine both schools, you know, but it's not a it's not the greatest of experiences. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it didn't wasn't the perfect thing for you, but that's, you know, that's okay. So when did you start deciding that you were going to be that you wanted to be a screenwriter? All right. I always wanted to be a writer. I didn't know that I wanted to be a screenwriter until I was like in my early 20s. But I always wanted to be a writer um, as long as I can remember. I loved books. I mean, my I had a friend like in, in elementary school and we would go home and we would exchange books and and go to the library together and just sit there and read books because I was fascinated by stories. And um, so I remember when I was about 12 that I really thought about writing a book or wanted to write a book at least. And, um, And in my 20s, I came across an article about screenwriting. I never thought about it, honestly. I never thought, oh, I want to write for movies. It was so far away for me somehow. I liked movies, but I was not like thinking and dreaming movies every day. I was more like a reader, like a book reader than somebody who would uh, think about screenwriting or plays and stuff like that. And so um, I came across that article and I thought, oh, I should go out and try to write a screenplay. That would be fun. It would be interesting. And then I got hooked. (laughs) You got hooked (laughs) on writing screenplays. Now, what is the difference between writing a novel and writing a screenplay? All right, there are a lot of differences. Um, First of all, a novel is a real one-year commitment, I would say. It has 300 pages, 350 pages. Usually that's about what people expect nowadays. Um, A screenplay, you can write much faster. A screenplay has a maximum of 120 pages. Every page is one minute. So a TV show has maybe 60 minutes, 60 pages, 45 pages, um, or less if you write a comedy. Um, The difference is in books, you write, you can write all the thoughts of characters. In screenplay, everything you write somebody needs to see. You cannot write thoughts. I can't write about my feelings about the world in a screenplay. You have to visually see it. It has to be visual. And that's the big difference. There are far more rules also 
you know, in screenwriting, you have a certain structure. You have to commit to that structure. I mean, maybe if you're Quentin Tarantino or something, you, you bend it. But otherwise, you have a structure. You have, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. And you have to structure that with the minutes when something happens. In screenwriting, minute 30, something has to happen, if not much earlier. There's an inside in, uh, incident around minute 15 where something turns around for the character. Minute 30, something has to happen. Then there's the midpoint in around minute 45 or up to 60, minute 60, depending how long your movie is. And um, then minute 90, the world falls apart and then it, everything is put back together in the last 10, 20 minutes. In a novel, you're just free. You can have any structure you want. You can write about thoughts about the character, first person. You write in third person or first person. There are big differences. So it's a lot of structure, but I can tell you now that my knowing so much about structure helped me a lot writing my novel. Now, I wanted to ask you because, and I don't think I asked you before because we've, we've talked before on the podcast or, or in, our, in our little meeting, <clears throat> and I don't think that I, 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 I mentioned the fact that in a screenwriting situation, like, like in a play, the play's got blocking that, that the, this character is going to move here, this character is going to move down right to stage left over here, and it's going to turn around and it's going to, in, when you're writing a screenplay, are you developing that or is that more the director's uh, prerogative? That is uh, the director. You should never do that as a screenwriter, unless it is so important, unless it is in, essential, you know, that I place uh, the person in a certain angle because something right happens there, you know, in the left corner of the room or something. But in, um, I describe the overall setting, you know, in a screenplay, you describe um, um, a certain room, uh, the atmosphere, so that the director gets an uh, gets an idea where we are and you know a screenplay should always read when I write a screenplay I want the reader to read it in a way that they can see it that you can see the movie in front of your eyes when you read the screenplay not when you see the movie actually when you read the, read the screenplay so that's all things I describe, but I do not describe exactly what the actor is doing or, or the little or cut, you know, or action or, or zoom in or zoom out. That's all director stuff. Um, usually writers don't do that unless obviously you're a writer director, then you're in a different position. But otherwise you leave that just out. Well, and that's why that's why they say that um, I don't know who they are, but whoever they are says that uh, movies and screenplays are more of a director's medium, and actual plays and and things like you, that you do is is more 
of a um of a, more of an actor's medium so is it like an uh, actual play more of an actor's medium than what a director would do with a, a movie um when it comes to playwriting i mean the actors are obviously i would say you know <laughs> without a screenplay or a play there would be no movie or there would be no theater play but without the actors it wouldn't work either so i think the power if you actually can get a play made as a writer i think you have quite a bit of power and the actors are as important because obviously if you don't have the right actors it's not going to be a good play if the actors are not great you know and their input input is also very important i find even even on a movie set you want the writer's input to understand the story even further the more you understand everybody on a movie set the better the movie is going to be that's my opinion maybe somebody else says oh my god what is she saying but i feel you know if i understand the cinematographer and where the cinematographer comes from and when i understand the writer as a director then i really know my movie and i can direct that movie you know for those of us that have never been on a movie set it it's amazing actually how many people are involved you know at the end of the movie if you watch the credits um in the role and stuff you see all of these names up there of all these people that do all these things it is a really big production to make a movie isn't it it is it is it's a it can be let's put it this way there are some some great directors out there they they manage to do a lot of things with less people but in general it's a big production it's a big production there's a lot of waiting also you know you need people who do all the sound and the lights and the settings and the makeup and i mean there's a lot going on on the movie set yeah i even know of a young lady that i've talked to on the show several times i didn't even know this this position existed but apparently it does and that is that when you are the star and they need to set up for lighting and and for direction and get that all set the, the scene set up you don't have to be there they hire somebody to be your stand-in who stands there while they're getting all the lighting and all the all the stuff together so that i had no idea that it was that involved that there were uh, so many so like a meryl streep doesn't have to stand there while they're doing the lighting and getting all that ready. They have a stand and do it, and then they call her when they're ready to shoot the scene. Does that make sense? Yes, that's correct. But the, you're talking about big movie sets. Yes. The smaller ones, the more independent movies, they don't have that. They they have the actress standing in the cold for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well. Which, which is why you want to be in a big budget movie, but you got to pay your dues and do the small budget movie first and all that. But you decided at one point in time that screenplays were too restrictive for you. Would that be a good word, restrictive? Uh, yes. Yes, that's correct. And that was because when you write a screenplay and you present the screenplay and they say, I 
love this. And then the director gets a hold of it and says, I like it. But there's a couple of things that I'd like you to change here, and I'd like this character to change here. And then, then you get to um, somebody else, and they'll say, I don't like this much at all. And, and, and so you have to do a lot of rewrites and a lot of working with a lot of different people, don't you? Yes, that's correct. I even made a little short movie called The Writer, and that really talks about it. <laughs> I imagine that's frustrating as heck. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit because, you know, you put a lot of hope and work into a screenplay and and it's just, you know, you're so excited when somebody comes to you and says, oh, we love it. We love your work. We want to make this. And then it falls apart 10 minutes later. So it's like, you know, you need a tough skin to be in the screenwriting world. So does that mean, because <clears throat> you were mentioning that if it's like a, a two-hour movie, the screenplay is 120 pages long. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that during the entire production that the screenwriter needs to be there so that if the director on any particular day wants to make changes to the dialogue or what's, what's happening, does that mean you have to be there the whole time? Um, that is up to the director. So on certain movie sets, you're going to be there. On other ones, they don't want writers to be there at all. And they might call you if you're still on the set by then, because they might have a different set of writers already. You know, you can sell, you can sell your screenplay and then they get some other writer on it. Oh, so that's like the... the... I can imagine doing a screenplay is like having a having a baby. It's like you've worked at it. It's been nine months or twelve months or a couple of years in in production, and you've you've really got your heart and your soul into it. And they buy it from you, and you're like, "Good heavens, that's wonderful!" And then some guy who never hadn't spent any time on it at all walks in and says, "Nah, I don't like that." That's got to be frustrating. It is frustrating, but you know, that is what you sign up for when you're in screenwriting. It's just like that. They call people in for different things because they believe that maybe that person has more experience or is the better writer or is, for example, I never wrote an action movie, but if I would write an action movie, they might say, oh, she never wrote an action movie, so she doesn't know exactly what she's doing. Uh, we like the overall story, but we want that writer, let's name him Tom, to come in because he is really great at action. He worked with Tom Cruise. He did this and that, you know, and we want him to come in and we pay him a lot of money and he comes in and he takes it apart oh that would be that would be so frustrating i wouldn't like that at all of course i have been known in my life i have to tell you uh, olivia i've been told by an employer you know you're not a very good employee <laughs> you, you, apparently you need to be in charge of this thing because you do you don't take direction well so that's that i would have the same problem that you did that is the same for me i'm I think I like to be in charge and that is not always <laughs> the best in screenwriting because other people want to be in charge as well. So that is why I'm writing novels now because now I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my destiny. 
whoever I contact, whatever I want to do, I can do it. Well, and the cool thing is you have a, a new book out and uh, it's, it's called the hours in between. And it is um, based upon the last six months of someone's life and what, and the premise that, that which is the premise of what would happen if you got diagnosed with an incurable uh, terminal illness and you had, man, they said you roughly had six months to live. And then you then were able to take that character and decide what she was going to do in the last six months of life, right? Yes, that's correct. And, um, you know, it's about, my book is not about medical stuff and dying and hospitals, not at all. My book is about living life to the fullest. What can you do with six months? What can you really do? And what would you change to have no regrets or less regrets? Let's put it this way. So it is about living. It has nothing to do with dying. There's like about two pages about it <laughs> that have to do with like medical stuff just to set it up, to set up the character. But overall, my book is about living and what happens when you put yourself out there. What can happen to you? Because we don't know, you know, we take one step forward. If I, let's just make a totally different example, but let's say I want to fly to Australia and I'm a little scared of it maybe because it's far away. I don't know anybody traveling alone as a woman, eh? but I don't know what will happen. You know, I put myself out there Maybe I meet really interesting people, people I connect with. Maybe I meet somebody who says to me, oh, write a play in Australia. You don't know. I don't know what will happen. So that's what my book is about. My book is about Liz Tate. She is the owner of a gallery. She has a very settled life in New York City. It's very settled. She has been living in a brownstone forever. She has a privileged life also. But it's not a perfect life by all means. Her husband is cheating on her. So she sets out to change her life in the last six months. Yeah. So her husband is cheating on her. If I had six months to live and my wife was cheating on her, I know what I would do. And then I wouldn't have to worry about the last six months. I spend it in court or, or, or something. No, I'm kidding. I would, I would never do that. Hopefully but, not. <laughs> but the, you know, it's an interesting concept when you think about it, because we're all mortal and we're all going to die. A lot of us don't know when the expiration date that's probably on the bottom of your foot will, uh, will, will happen. But all of us technically, theoretically have six months to live. And if you live six months at a time and you treat it that way, your life would be completely different than if you than if you wait uh, for something to happen. Is that true? Um, I believe it is true. I, I believe that if you would treat your life as if you only have really six months or three months or nine months, let's put it this way, and you would like... Like, go out and really do what you want to do. 
that is, you know, we are like, so often we wait for the perfect moment, you know, the, the perfect, um, you know, is the weather right there? Is, do I have enough money in the bank? Do, is my is everybody taken care of and then we have all these dreams in the background and and we think about it but we don't do it because oh it might be too dangerous or it might be impossible or it's difficult but i believe firmly that we should live life to the fullest now and not postpone things all the time you know it can be scary i admit it i'm not the most courageous person you know oh, but you, you've traveled all over the world which is yeah, a lot of people I, haven't done that i like to travel also you know so after a while it becomes like easier because you do it i went to europe um during the pandemic at the end of the pandemic for two months because i absolutely wanted to go to Europe and travel a little bit around and see some places I hadn't seen yet. So I traveled on my own for two months and I really love it. <laughs> Nobody tells me what to do. As you can see, I'm a little free spirited. And <laughs> I <laughs> which, is, which is perfectly okay. By the way, we're talking with Olivia Berry. And if you want to find out more about her, you can go to her website, which is olivia-berry.com. And and you can find out all about her and the book she's, she's written and all the screenplays she's done. And if you want to, uh, you know, like, I don't know, uh, buy a screenplay and make a movie out of it or a play, that would be fine. Sure, you're open to negotiations about that. Absolutely, always. I'm always open to talk to people about any kind of projects, always. Indeed, indeed. By the way, you're listening to Positive Talk Radio here on KKNW, 1150 AM. It's a Wednesday afternoon, and I hope you're having a great day. We need to take a quick, a quick break real quick. But when we come back, I want to ask Olivia, this is your first novel, right? That is my first novel, yes. And you had every, you had this, the world was your oyster. You could write about anything in the world that you wanted to write about, and you chose this topic which could be considered dark by some but i think it's probably a very it's a very uplifting book um and it's it's a wonderful read and and uh, so if you'll wait right there i'll ask you that when we come back from this break so i want to thank everybody for listening and uh we'll be right back in just a moment when you want to say more than words communicate you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. anaturaldesign.com. Hey there, I'm excited that you're listening right now. And if you like what we're doing here, you're going to love PositiveTalkRadio.net. On PositiveTalkRadio.net, each show, which is recorded live, 
is packed with positive information with real people discussing real issues and positive solutions that can work for everyone. I hope that you'll join us on PositiveTalkRadio.net and listen to all 340-plus shows. I think it's worth your time. But then, that's just me. That's PositiveTalkRadio.net, your home for great progressive positive podcasts. And welcome back, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to KKNW. I got to tell you, I lied. I lied, Olivia. I don't have 340 shows up. I've got 385 shows <laughs> up now. So I have to update my commercial messaging. And we're also on YouTube. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, where the heck else are we? We're, and we're, of course, a podcast. So we're on Apple, iTunes, um, Spotify, all those guys. And you can listen to any one of the uh, 385 shows. And this will be one of them very soon. As a matter of fact, this will be starting next week. I'm excited to say that uh, we are going to be doing KKNW on audio and video. So we will be able to, uh, you'll be able to go to your um, computer console and type in positive talk radio on YouTube and you can watch the show being done live. And, uh, that would, that'll be great fun. And we're, we're excited about that. And we're, and we're just growing like crazy. And if you like, if you really go to, go to Instagram, cause we've got some great shorts as well as YouTube, some great shorts with some, some wonderful messages from all of the guests that we've had over time. So it's, I hope that you'll do that. And of course, obviously go to, positivetalkradio.net. Okay, enough commercials there for me and uh, stuff. And we were talking with um, Olivia Berry. She is an author. And before we went to break, I was going to ask her, uh, the, the name of the book that she's written is The Hours in Between. And it's it basically is about the, what happened, what an individual can do if they find out that they are, they have six months left to live. And um, so I got to ask you, what what decided you to you could have written about in your your screenplays, you've you've written comedies, you've written all kinds of different things. What decided you to write this type of book? You know, mainly because I talk a lot to people about their lives and what is going on. And I felt the theme of regret is coming up a lot. When you like get to a certain age, maybe not when you're in your 20s, but when you get like to 35 and above, people talk a lot about regret. Oh, I wish I had done this. I wish I would have done that. And it just intrigued me. There was just so much about the subject. And um, I also love to develop characters. And I wanted to dive really deep into a character and that subject gave me that opportunity to really develop a character in depth that's also why I wrote it in the first person and I basically wrote kind of a diary it's not like an exact diary like that you write everything like in the morning oh I'm doing this and that and that no it's not like this I wrote it as a novel but I used the diary format so that she basically every day is something about her and her life. And she is the main character. She 
runs the show from beginning to end in the book. So I, I utilized a little bit of different structure than a normal novel structure. It's sound. It's it's a very interesting way to do it, and it's it's. Um, but I wanted to mention because you mentioned regret, and I I truly believe that that is. And by the way, when you're twenty something, you don't know anything anyway, so you have to wait until you're a little bit more mature before you can figure out <laughs> somebody's going to send me send that send all your correspondence to Eric at uh, KKNW. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, um, it, it takes a little seasoning for you to be able to understand what even what regret is and, and how if you live your life in a certain way. And I've known people that have uh, my father was one who had serious regrets at the end of his life because he sacrificed things that he probably should never have sacrificed um, because it was easier rather than doing what his heart wanted him to do. And um, I know that that's, that's a big issue. If you talk to hospice workers and people that, that work with people that are in their end of life, that is a virtual unif uniform theme. Everybody will say, you know, I really wish I would have loved this person or I wish I could have been better to my kids. Or, and it's very rare that anybody says, you know, I really wish I made more money. Um, I really wish I could have bossed that guy around more. You know, it doesn't it doesn't come out like that because we if our humanity comes out. It's in your in your research putting this book together, is that kind of what you found? Yes. People, you know, in the end, money goes only so far. I think I once heard that if you earn a certain amount of money, let's put it like $200,000 a year, then everything else is more about experiences. It's not really about money, because do you really care that much that you flew first class? I mean, it's kind of nice, you know, especially long flights, believe me, <laughs> you don't want to be squished in the back. But, but it's not really what matters. What matters are our connections with people, our experiences that we have. You know, it's not about traveling around the world, going from city to city and see every museum. I mean, how much art can you really see? But it's about the people you meet in that journey. It's about people. But I also wanted to say another thing because you said um, younger people might not understand regret that much. In, in my novel, um, I thought the same when I wrote the novel. I thought, oh, maybe it's geared more towards people like 35 and above. But I was wrong. Because I had a lot of young people approaching me um, via email, mainly, uh, telling me how much they enjoyed the book and how much they really learned about themselves and what they would like to do different, especially uh, college students who said, I want to uh, really changed the classes I'm taking right now because I really didn't want to do math that much or 
my parents expected me to study, I don't know, architecture, but I actually want to be an attorney or a nurse or something else. So even young people understand somehow what it means to make choices, you know, and um, which way they should go. And maybe it's now the time to change it and not later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I personally happen to think that expecting a 18 to 22 year old to to know enough about life to be able to say, yep, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so I'm going to take these classes so that I can be an architect or I can do this or whatever it is that they have been told over time that that's what we would like you to do or maybe dad's paying for it or whatever it is. And I it's. I didn't know what I, I still don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Well, I have a better idea now, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's important that, that kids get the opportunity to uh, grow up a little bit and, and, and to take and to do what they want. And so this, this book is very important to somebody who's younger that says, you know, that wasn't really what I want. I don't think I want to do that. So maybe this is my passion. I think that we should be talking a lot more about, passion and what our kids should be wanting to do with their lives because they're only going to be here for a real short time speaking speaking of which i wanted to let you know that uh there was a, there was a a rich man and um he was dying and he said to his wife i want to take all my money with me i don't want him to leave a thing for anybody i want to take it all and she said okay fine and uh so he died and uh, she wrote a check and stuck it in his uh, casket so that's 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 a joke, by the way. Um, <laughs> not a, apparently not a very funny joke, but it was a joke anyway. So, but but I agree with you. It's important that uh, that we all, and that's what this book is really about, isn't it? Is living your passion, living your best life. Yes, living your best life, living in the moment, living now. You know, doing what you want to do. Whatever that is, you know, go out there, do it, do it now, you know, take a first step, you know, even if it's tiny, tiny step, you know, if uh, traveling comes up a lot, um, when I talk to people, they want to travel and see the world, but you know, we come up with so many excuses. Oh, the kids are still little. How am I going to do this? And yeah, talk to people. Ask if you could exchange time with a friend that they take your kids for. You don't have to travel like two months. Do it for a week. Maybe they can take your kids and you take their kids then. You know, it doesn't have even to cost always so much money. But take one step forward or you want to study something look 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 up online what you could do how you could do it you know it's like little things or or see your grandmother go now don't wait grandma is not the youngest anymore right so go now look up the schedule when is the train going if you don't want to fly or can't fly or something is too expensive try other ways you know i mean there are ways to to do things you know absolutely and just by um to bring that point home 
um, on July 17th, 2021, um, my mother, well, on the 15th, she went and played bridge with a, with a group of ladies who were also in their 80s and 90s and had dinner and had a great time. On uh, uh, the next day, the 16th, she had... Um, she went out to dinner, had a great time. I talked to her that day and, and a little bit the day before. And, um, and on the 17th, she passed away. Had no, had no prior knowledge, had nothing. And, uh, it was, it was a a total shock to all of us, but those things happen. Um, sometimes when it's time for you to go, you go. So don't leave anything unsaid. Don't leave any uh, animosity out there. If you've had an issue with somebody, clear it up before before they go, or especially a mom or a dad, who and stuff. But I've I've learned, and tell me if this is something that that you resonate with. Is I've learned to try not to put in myself into situations where I create a negative thing happening that then I got to go back and clean up later. Um. Yeah. I. I don't like to to create negative situations myself. You know, if if something negative happens in my life, it's usually uh, because it just happened. You know, it, it happened to me, but it's not because I created it. Right. I don't I don't like negativity. In general, in general, I'm just a positive person. You know, I like I I like kindness. Um, it's it's probably one of the values that I cherish the most. Um, you know, just just a kind word to somebody. Like I like, for example, I like to work in coffee shops. I get a lot of free lattes here because <laughs> I because I really like people. You know, I really uh, appreciate what they do and over time I get to know them because I say hi good morning how are you or when it's really busy I say oh you're working really hard today and I mean it I mean it you know it's like it's not that I'm just saying it I mean it and I say oh I like your new hair looks good and stuff like that because I mean it and it's just the tiniest little bit of kindness you know it's not a big deal it takes nothing but it makes such an impact in people's life you know they stand behind the counter they make now the 150s coffee i mean they deserve that you say something nice you know oh absolutely you know it's it's to the to the point to your point is that if i am going out to lunch with somebody that i potentially am going to work with and if we're sitting down having lunch and this particular person is um, rude or short or not very nice to the server, um, I will no longer work with them because that is a clear indication because there are some people who think I'm the one that you're waiting on. So I have the power. And so therefore I have the right to be mean to you because I get to, because I'm paying the bill. I call that horse pucky and that uh, you that being kind to people that are serving you and doing the best they can even if they don't do a great job i mean it's so it's okay you can you can still be kind yes yes there's always a way to be kind to people you know and the only times that i might not be kind is if somebody is really really rude to me you know but they always i'm 
I never wake up and would be rude to anybody. No, that's no. just not in my DNA. And um, you're you're a fine lady, and I want to thank you. By the way, Olivia Berry is our guest, and she's written the book "The Hours in Between," and it's a novel. And I suggest that you get it. You can go uh, to um, uh, Amazon or anywhere to pick it up, and uh, go to olivia-berry.com and get all the information about her it's so um how long is this book how long is um um the hours in between been out now um september 20th and it's doing okay isn't it yeah it's doing fine it's doing fine you know good so, so when do you begin writing your next book oh i'm already writing my next book there's no time in between it never stops, does it? <laughs> yeah, it never stops. It never stops. Yeah, I have a nonfiction book coming out end of February. Um, you know, I usually don't write nonfiction books, but I just had this little idea and I wanted to write write it. It just came to me and I thought, oh, that would be fun. That's a little fun side project. It's not my main writing project but it's a like a side project and it only will be out in kindle form kindle i mean for the tablets you know um and uh it won't come out in paperback um because it has a some photography of mine in there which is a hobby i love photography so uh that would be far too expensive to make it uh, into a paperback or hardcover book so it wouldn't make any any sense and uh then afterwards i'm going to um have the first book uh, of a series uh coming out um it's uh called the matchmaker in and it will be um lighter than the hours in between. This isn't a little Jewish lady from someplace who's the matchmaker, because that that was a actual cultural thing. Um, no, way back when. So no, um, no, 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 no. It's a young young woman who um, who comes upon a house that nobody anymore wants, and she makes an in out of it, and it becomes the matchmaker in but she builds it she rebuilds that house and um because people believe there are ghosts in there aha that that sounds like an intriguing intriguing <laughs> story the, the uh, non-fiction one are you able to tell us a little bit about that um it's called um mornings in 50 words and it is about it connects a little bit to the hours in between uh, in some strange way and it's about writing 50 words in the morning um, just when you get up and you see something that intrigues you it can be anything I mean you can stare out of the window and see something you would like to write you can write about a thought you can write about an object and um, it's it's just also about soul moments it's um I always think about soul moments, what feeds my soul during the day. So if I go out and I see something, can be a tiny little bird or something, and it feeds my soul, that's a soul moment. 
And it's basically writing 50 words that feeds your soul. Is that one of those things? By the way, every writer that I've ever talked to um, at one point or another says, yep, I've got this writing pad and paper and pen uh, by my bed in case I wake up in the morning and have an idea. Is that something that you do? Um, let's put it this way. I don't have a paper and pen by my bed, but if I wake up with an idea, I get up immediately to write it down. That's actually not a bad idea because some people tell me that they will, um, they will write down an idea because while they're lying in bed uh, while they're still thinking about it and then they put it down go back to sleep when they wake up in the morning they can't read head and head tales of what they wrote <laughs> that could happen to me as well <laughs> so i get up uh, i get up usually if that idea is that strong um i get up and i write it down because otherwise you might forget it it happens i mean i had ideas and i thought oh it was so fabulous i was somewhere and I had nothing to write and I, I forgot it. But yeah. then again, maybe it wasn't that fabulous, you know? Well, but you know, you never know, but then most of the time, if you uh, wake up with an idea and then you go back to sleep without writing it down, you'll forget about it you yeah. know, or you'll forget part of it or, or the reason why you thought it was special in the first place. And so it's, it's, it's important <laughs> to do that. And you're also a big advocate of journaling, aren't you? Uh, yeah. 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 I love to journal. Yeah. I like to do my little drawings and write, you know, but my journaling is a little, I use a bullet journal and I, um, um, I do little, little doodling things. I mean, I'm not very good at it. Believe me. I'm not like what's nothing a, what's I could a, show. What's a bullet journal? A bullet journal is you have just, uh, you know, little dots on the page instead of craft paper or lines, you have little dots on the page. And then you, um, you, it was created because people would write down bullets, like bullet points, what they want to do during the day. Oh, gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. So they're like little, little bullets, uh, and then you can draw there and make little squares or circles out of it. And, and what I do is I work, um, you know, um, I don't know, uh, I think um, some actor once said, you shouldn't break the chain. Um, the guy from Seinfeld, Seinfeld, yeah. Seinfeld himself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said you you should not break the chain, and that is what I'm trying to do. I like to write every day because this way I can stay with my characters. I can, um, you know, it doesn't have to be always hours and hours. It can be also just if I have a very very busy day, it can be half an hour, and I just don't like to break the chain. And so in my bullet journal, I have little squares and then at nighttime i just cross it out and no i did the work and i can go to bed and sleep <laughs> i mean i've known known authors that have three little kids and they will write while cooking dinner and and uh, just just like when you have a free moment and you're inspired to do it uh you do it and i it's amazing to me what authors can do uh, you guys you guys just like musicians uh, you mystify me with with your creativity. Yeah, yeah. We 
you know, we try to be creative. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's just in in you at some point. You want to do it. I, I just want to do it because I love doing it. If you could give uh, some advice, we're, we're coming to the end of our time together, but if you could give some advice to somebody that has said, you know, I always have wanted to write either a screenplay or a novel. I've always wanted to write, but I don't know how to get started. Can you give them some advice? All right. I, I think there are two things. One is preparation. That means pick up a book about writing. Um, learn the craft a little bit, but at the same time also start writing. So while you're reading this book, don't wait, don't, don't read 20 books. Read, have one book, study it once in a while, but every day start writing, just write. And start small, just Take some paper or take the computer, whatever you like best, and start, put the timer, 15 minutes a day for a month, then 25 minutes or 30 minutes. If you have more time, do it more time, but just begin. Now, some people say that, that writing on a tablet works best for them. Others will say the computer is just fine. Which, which do you prefer? Um, I mean, I, I make notes at the beginning when I outline by hand, and, but I do write everything else on the computer, on my laptop, because I like to carry it with me. So um, I use a laptop. Yes, and spell check is your friend. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's really important. By the way, we've been talking to Olivia Berry. And you can go to her website, olivia-berry.com, and you can get all the information about her. And um, you can even contact her, I'm willing to bet, and she could say hello. And, uh, and once you've read the book, uh, please drop her a line to tell her what you thought. And, and congratulate her for a, a work well done. It's, it's, you've, done you've done a really nice work. Um, and uh, now I forgot to ask you, and I should have done this earlier before we ran out of time. Are you self-published or do you have a publisher? Um, I'm self-published, but it is by choice. Ah, you're, you're, you're one of those control things again. It's, yeah, <laughs> it is by choice because I mean, I had a couple of publishers that were really interested, but the timeline didn't work for me. Ah. Very you know, hard. because because uh, it uh, it just uh, they they were talking about twenty twenty four, and I'm like, no, by twenty twenty four, I have three more books. This is like, no, not happening. <laughs> you got to do it when you when you're passionate about doing it. You got to do it in your own timeline. Yeah, and, and, and I think nowadays, you know, nowadays it's. Uh, it's possible. It's a business, you know, like any other business. And it's really, really possible uh, to to self-publish your book and, and do well. And it's uh, with the, the advent of Amazon, it's a lot easier um, to be able to do that. And Definitely. Stuff. So, again, one last time, Olivia Berry has been our guest. And you can go to olivia dash Barry.com, get all the information about her. We got, I got 15 seconds for you. Can you give us any last words in 15 seconds? Um, 
just do it please do it don't wait uh, that's that's all i can say and i'll tell you you are a writer and that's the best and shortest thing we could get by the way take care of each other please be kind to one another because each other's all we got we'll see you friday at noon Thank you.